Hey everyone, I'm Jacob Cohen Donnelly and this is a Media Operator. This show is a discussion about building media companies for current and prospective media operators. We discuss business models, products, audience development, subscriptions, advertising, commerce, everything to help you with your media business. To learn more and to become a premium member of the newsletter, visit amediaoperator.com slash amopodcast to receive 10% off a yearly subscription. My guests this week are Dan Shipper and Nathan Bachez, the founders of Everything, a bundle of business newsletters. During our one-hour conversation, we discussed where the idea of the Everything Bundle came from, how they handle the revenue share with the various writers in the network, why they ran their first ad ever, and where they see the business going over the coming years with a variety of different vertical newsletters. I hope you enjoy our discussion. Let's set the stage, because a year ago, this whole concept of everything wasn't really a thing. Can you both take a minute and talk about each of your individual publications and then explain what everything is and how this idea came to you? And let's start with you, Dan. Yeah. So it started off with uh, Super Organizers, which is a newsletter that I write, which is on productivity. Uh, and basically, I was just super fascinated about a year ago with um, all the productivity systems that I use and other people use. And I was actually really interested in not starting a newsletter, but starting a software company around it. That's my background. And uh, I figured I could start with a newsletter because I really like writing and um, it felt like a good way to develop an audience and learn how to basically uh, like how to build a software product uh, as I was writing the newsletter. And I started it and people just loved, uh, they loved the newsletter. It just started taking off. And I was like, wow, maybe I could just, you know, start newsletters. Um, and I got really psyched about the space, really psyched about paid newsletters and really psyched about um, business newsletters in particular. Cause I was like, well, I guess people are um, more likely to pay for business newsletters than for other types of newsletters. And that's kind of the, the area that super organizers is in, is in anyway. So I started getting psyched about like starting more business focused newsletters. Um, and that's when I, that's when I called Nathan. Yeah, and and what Dan didn't say is that like he's this incredible writer that's been been writing on the internet for like a long time. The way that I first found out about Dan was was on the internet on Hacker News, where his uh, his essays around like 2011, 2012 ish would like frequently be kind of there perched at the top, waiting for me every time I uh, every time I arrived to Hacker News. Um, and so like I was aware of Dan's work before we were friends, and then we became friends for a while, and we like wanted to work together, and so. When, when Dan called me, like we had already been talking on the phone like on a regular basis about super organizers in this newsletter. And it was never something like that we would do together. It was just like me kind of rooting on my friend. But then like, you know, I, I was working at Substack previously and I was kind of doing this sort of San Francisco like co-founder dating scene thing and like working on a bunch of different projects and and it was a lot of fun, but like I didn't I didn't have the thing yet, you know? And so when Dan called, I was just like, oh oh, you're interested in like the paid newsletter business? Oh, you're interested in like B2B topics? Like this is this is something I'm very interested in too and like have some have some experience in. So let's uh, let's do this. So we started working together basically around then and that's when uh, that's when I started Divinations. You guys, you, you both had your newsletters, but then when you both launched or when, Nathan, when you launched your newsletter, did you, had you and Dan already started talking about doing everything as well? Oh yeah, it was like we you know, we had a lot of ideas about what we wanted to do, but it was all pretty like abstract, you know, like we were, when we really started talking, we we're like, okay, like what's the best first step? 
right? Like, do we go out and like try and recruit other people or like build some big, it was just kind of like, obviously the only thing to do for us at least felt like we just have to see if we can do it ourselves and like see what that's like. Cause we have to learn what it takes to make these things successful in order to have, you know, really any credibility trying to like attract other people to, to do it with us. Um, and so, and, and so we kind of like put the bundle stuff or, or like the larger, like we'll build a bunch of these newsletters or work with people or whatever, like kind of to the side, like really for several months, we were just kind of like focused on, on writing and building an audience and building up kind of, you know, independent subscription businesses. Um, and I'm really glad that we took that approach. It was a lot more organic of an approach. And, um, I think we learned a lot of stuff from that time that was really critical that if we had just like whatever, like raised some money and hired some journalists or whatever, I think we would have been pretty clueless that now, now we have a slightly more of a clue than we, than we would have if we'd taken that route. So I want to understand a little bit more about how the various newsletters work within the everything ecosystem. As far as I know, Dan, you own super organizers and Nathan, you own divinations, but then everything is a, a bundle above that. Can you kind of talk about what the structure is between your two newsletters, everything, and then the other newsletters that are in that bundle? Yeah, and maybe I, maybe I can just I can take take a step back and describe like what everything is. Um, so like yeah, just generally we're building a bundle of business focused newsletters. So what we want to do uh, overall is have a bunch of writers uh, writing on different business focused topics, um, but in one bundle where readers can pay one price and get access to everything that we we make. Um, and the difference between what we do and what other types of media companies might do is we want to focus specifically on analysis and commentary. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, we want to write from the practitioner's perspective. So, um, we want to write things that if you read it, uh, it makes you better at, uh, at your job. Um, and with a, with a really big focus on quality thinking and quality writing, um, uh, in terms of like who owns what. So, you know, super organizers and divinations, it's part of a company. Um, so I guess the company, I guess, owns it at this point. Yeah. Um, like when we incorporated, we signed on like the IP to the company. So like the company owns super organizers and divinations. Yeah. Um, but functionally, like Nathan owns divinations and I own super organizers. Um, call me the general manager. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the idea is to have a bunch of other um uh, writers who, who write for the bundle that, that each own their own publication in the sense that they have um, kind of editorial prerogatives to write about what they want and all that kind of stuff. And then in some cases, the company is going to own what they make. Um, and then in some cases, they'll own it. I, I guess we're kind of like figuring that out. Um, but we're all publishing under one banner, the kind of everything banner. Um, and we all have these like a, a similar set of things that we want to do. Like we all want to write about business topics. We all want to focus on analysis and commentary. We want to write from a practitioner's perspective, but everyone's kind of like in their own like niche um, and gets, and gets to write in, in their niche under the banner. And like the owner, just to put like a finer point on like the circumstances around like who owns what or whatever, like, you know, we've done a deal with like people who already have a newsletter. They already have it as an independent subscription business. And so we like, basically strike a licensing deal where we're like, hey, we'll include your content in our bundle. People could also buy it separately if they want. All the copyright, all the IP is like yours, but but we're licensing it. Um, and and we've like worked out a, a basically like a compensation agreement or whatever for for in exchange for licensing it. Um, and then for other people, we're like creating new stuff from scratch. We're like hiring writers to support them. We're 
we're doing a lot in-house that's like more of a traditional media company thing. And so in that case, maybe the company owns the IP. But like, honestly, we're very interested in figuring out like a way to make it easier for people to like essentially own more of the upside of of their work and to have more of their own banner, um, but still balance that with getting a lot of the benefits in terms of like distribution and creation and support and financing and all that kind of stuff, you know, healthcare or whatever, like whatever you need to, that we can do to help unlock talent from like, to kind of like express what they want to make, you know, more fully. Yeah. And, and to, to add on to that, like we're still honestly figuring out like the specifics of the actual IP, like who, who really owns what, um, like for example, um, uh, Nathan works on a, on a newsletter and a talk show with, uh, with Legion, who is a, a really talented investor and Substacker who has her own newsletter. And they basically record a talk show together, um, called means of creation. It's on kind of the passion economy and, um, and they have a guest every week where they kind of interview the guest. Um, and they do that under the everything banner. And then we go and take that recording and turn it into, um, newsletter articles. Um, so that's, that's, an, that's one of the ways in which we can kind of like unlock, um, content and ideas from people without them having to necessarily, necessarily like write all of it themselves. Um, or, um, you know, even I guess own, own a newsletter. Um, so we're, we're working on a bunch of different models like that, where we can take people, um, in different ways and, and have them write for us effectively, even if they're not even writing. Now that I understand the corporate structure or how, how the various newsletters kind of fit into that bundle, I want to uh, try to visualize the flow of, of a subscriber dollar. So I'm already a subscriber, but let's say that I wasn't and I signed up for a yearly subscription to everything. It's $200 a year. How, what happens? So th- where does that money go? Is it, you know, does it just go into one general pot? And then at the end of the month, you start divvying it up to writers. I'm kind of just curious how that is. And I have a series of questions to follow. Yeah, totally. So for the first answer is like, it's, it gets kind of complicated. So, uh, buckle up, we can dive into the weeds if you want. Um, but just it's, it, it is getting sort of complicated. And also we really don't fully have it figured out and this may change over time. And we're really quite limited by what's possible within Substack. So like, this is nascent sort of for everyone and in, in, in a lot of different <laughs> meanings of the term nascent. So I just want to give some of those like caveats, but I think we're, we're very happy to like go into it. And also anyone listening, like if you have ideas for how we could do this, like, you know, more efficiently or more fairly or whatever, like we're, we're definitely interested in them. Basically how it works is so you pay $200 and Stripe takes their fee and then Substack takes their fee after the Stripe fee. So I don't know what is left after that. I think it's like 170 or something like that, but like there's fees basically that come off the top. Um, and then it goes into like the company bank account basically. And at the end of the month, or sorry, and then you get an email and because you subscribed and you fill out a form and you basically say, what's the primary publication that you signed up in order to get content from? And so let's say you're a huge fan of like Tiago Forte. Uh, so you put Praxis, you signed up primarily for Praxis. Um, this is a crude kind of like way of allocating revenue, but it felt like the most like transparent basically it's just like let's just ask people like who did they primarily sign up for and like not make it a multi-select thing and then so that revenue gets attributed to praxis and then we have like a revenue split agreement with praxis based on the details of like tiago's situation and so those revenue splits may be different depending on the publication because some publications maybe we're in 
taking on a lot of the risk. We put the thing together. We hired a full-time employee or whatever to like, or like freelancers to like create the thing. Others like Tiago, it's just like a licensing deal. He's really done all the work and created all the content. So it's going to be, it's going to be different for every publication, but we allocate that revenue to that publication um, basically in its entirety. But then we, we update it by surveying, resurveying people that we haven't actually done this yet because not enough time has passed since we've started this model. But the plan is like, let's say you came in because of Praxis and because of Tiago Forte, but like, you ended up becoming a fan of something else. And so maybe like a couple months later, you get a survey and it's like, hey, like what's your favorite newsletter uh, within the bundle? And then if you pick something else, then your revenue switches basically. Um, and so we just keep re- allocating the revenue that way. And then the one, the, ty- the sort of additional complexity is like not everyone will fill out the survey. So each month we take the bucket of revenue from people that didn't fill out a survey and allocate it proportionally based on the people who did fill out the survey. So if there's like, you know, $100,000 of, I mean, I wish we had this, $100,000 of new MRR or whatever, um, one day we will, uh, like we would take that pie and divide it according to like, let's say 30% of people said that they signed up for your newsletter. Okay, you get 30% of that $100,000 of MRR. That was that was new from that month, if that makes sense. And then when the, when the subscriber churns, um, you know, that revenue just goes away basically. Yeah. So to, to make it, to make it really simple, we figure out like how many people are primarily subscribed to read a particular newsletter. And then of those people, we figure out there's a revenue split between us and the writer, uh, to give them, uh, to give them a percentage of that revenue. And we figure that out, um, by doing a survey and by asking people, who are you reading? My $200 comes in, uh, and I say I'm reading, divinations that's my newsletter um so therefore in this case nathan would get if you weren't also you know part of uh, you know part of everything but you would get um you would get a chunk of that money based on a split that you agreed to with the with the company but now what about all the other writers that i'm also reading do they also get a cut based on their consumption based on the consumption of their content or is it just whoever brings the reader in gets the money well, it's whoever brings the reader in and retains the reader, just as like the quick caveat there. But Dan, go ahead. What were you? Yeah. So, 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 right now in the in the model we have now, it's just whoever brings in whoever brings in the reader gets the money. We'll probably we're going to change that over time. Um, uh, I, I think p- part of the question is like, uh, what if someone's reading multiple newsletters? Um, and in the model we have now, basically what we're contemplating is um, people will, will typically subscribe primarily for one. Um, that's kind of what we found. Like they're primarily going to subscribe for divinations or for super organizers or for praxis. Um, but they also kind of like, um, some of the other newsletters. Um, and they'll read, they'll read a couple of those, uh, they'll, they'll read a couple of those, like maybe on a weekly basis, but they're really super fans or, or they really like one in particular. Um, and so we're going to allocate most of the money to, to that, um, to that publication. Um, I think in the future we could evolve the model where, you know, we ask a question like what's your secondary, um, uh, what's the secondary publication you read, or the tertiary publication you read, and and give a little bit more money to to those uh, to those authors? We haven't done that yet. One thing that we do do is um, we also have an affiliate model, where again, when someone signs up and you you give us two hundred dollars, and in in that same survey, we ask who referred you, and if you're referred by someone else in the bundle, um, so. You know, if you're in the bundle and you tweet about the bundle, uh, and someone signs up because of you, uh, you get an, an affiliate fee of the of that person's revenue until they churn as well. So we have uh, we have we have an additional way of um, of compensating writers, even if they're not the primary reason that someone is subscribing. Who is doing your books? Because this sounds like a lot of work. 
Yeah, right. I mean, right now that's basically like nascent, right? Like well, there's a s- very small group of creators we're working with that like we have a lot of trust with and like we're we're being extremely transparent with it. But yeah, this is going to be the kind of thing that needs to be like an audited system that's like written with like very battle tested code and like spits out a really detailed like like paper trail and sort of like explanation for like why who is getting what. Uh, we want it to be like a very high trust thing. Um, and I think transparency is the best way to have that trust. So it's it's definitely going to get kind of complicated for sure. But I mean, it's sort of like notorious with like all sorts of bundle models like this. It's just that's a fact of life of bundling is like the hardest part about creating a bundle is figuring out how to allocate the proceeds of the bundle in a way that feels fair and transparent to everyone. Spotify grapples with this, like Netflix grapples with this. This is... Um, you know, and like, of course, Netflix now is like more of a focused on on buying content rather than licensing content, um, outright where they'll just pay like a flat fee. Um, but you know, there's, this is like just basically part of the complexity. Uh, so yeah, when when you ask who's doing our books, it's like, I mean, right now it's like, it's us and like, we're, we're figuring it all out, but like, yeah, we're not, we're not here to present this as like some solved scaled thing. We're here to present this as like, this is an interesting thing we're trying. We're trying to do well. We're, you know. Like we're learning, uh, and we anticipate running into problems that we will then fix. And then just, it's sort of like the way you grow startups is like, you try a thing, you see if it works, if it works, you kind of like try and do it bigger and then something will break inevitably. And then you just fix the broken thing and then you keep going. Just to, just to add a little bit more color on that. Um, it, and what it, what it means in practice is it's, it's, it's Nathan and I, but mostly Nathan at this point, um, like the day before the month ends with a bunch of like scripts, basically like figuring out the answer to this question like running a bunch of code spitting out some spreadsheets and then and then manually checking to make sure that we're right um so it's it's hard um and and i think we'll automate more of it over time especially as it gets more complicated but um we're 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 trying to make it work as well as we can uh with what we have right now so can you talk a little bit about the the logic behind the survey because you know, one of the issues with bundles is they always lead to, pay, you know, when when paid by consumption, uh, they always lead to just like really bad content, which is why, you know, some people say that medium is just not that great. Uh, can you explain a little bit more about the logic of, and the way I describe it is the logic of paying the creator that is the reason that someone doesn't churn? Can you talk about that a little bit? Um, so, so I think for us, what we want to do, the reason we're, we're not starting off with like a pay by article model is because that can incentivize people to like write really salacious headlines or like try to get things to go viral and and attract bad quality, a bad quality audience. Um, the reason that we are paying people based on, um, the survey is because it's, it's one way for us to measure, um, the relationship that an author is building with, with, with their reader. So if a reader is filling out the survey and saying, Hey, you're the person that I really want to read. Um, that's a sign for us that that author deserves to get paid. Um, and it's a sign that that author is, is creating something that uh, is of value and that is, is building a deep relationship of trust uh, with, with a certain uh, segment of readers. And that's kind of that's what we want to incentivize because um, people writing really high quality content and building, building a trusted relationship is, is the kind of thing that um, attracts more paying customers. Um, and so one way to get at that is the survey. You know, we, we've considered other models and maybe Nathan, you might want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff we considered and where we might go with it in the future. But for now, 
especially because we're on Substack, like we're a little bit um, limited in, in, ex- in all of the things that we can do to, um, to kind of, to kind of measure, to measure that. Um, and so some of what we do is, is kind of a workaround to, um, to work within the constraints of what we have. And it's actually, it's just like sending out a survey is the easiest thing that we can do to get at the measurement. Um, but that relationship um, between the reader and, and the, and the writer is, is the thing that we're trying to measure. Yeah. Like I don't have, I don't have too much to add there, but just like, we definitely don't want to move to a model that, that like creates adverse incentives. Like, oh, like people are constantly hounding people for like likes or, or claps or, oh, like we've got people like writing really long stuff because it like rewards time spent reading or something like that. It's like, I think these kinds of problems are why the like algorithms that allocate money or attention, like in the case of YouTube, it's it's like the recommender algorithm is the thing people are trying to game rather than like some like, you know, revenue allocation algorithm. But it all kind of has the same effect, right? Of like warping behavior because people try and figure it out. And normally they create really complicated, opaque systems that like evolve in ways that aren't, aren't you know, understandable by creators and it, it can create a lot of frustration. And I think it's one thing if it's a recommender algorithm, but it's a totally different and worse thing if it's like your money. And so there's something really nice about just like being transparent with readers. I mean, we've even talked about like, what if we just create some sort of screen where readers are, where we just ask readers, like, how would you like your revenue to be allocated or something like that, you know? Um, and just be really straightforward with like, yeah, this is how this is being used. This is what this is for. Um, it's kind of like not gameable. And as long as you assume the results of the survey are representative, so you can kind of account for, um, you know, the people who don't fill out the survey, which, you know, inevitably to some degree is flawed. But then the question is like, how flawed is it actually? Like how unrepresentative is it really? Um, then that's like a pretty good starting point. But I have no doubt that we'll have to evolve it and change it. And it's for sure going to break as we add more people and figure out, you know, different people are in different situations and have different preferences. We would like to have a sort of like deal that's kind of like one size fits all and really transparent and, but also feels really fair. And it's like, there are tensions between these things. Like one size fits all and simple and transparent and fair. Like there are some things that are maybe more fair, but it creates a lot more complexity, which trades off with like, you know, simplicity or, or transparency maybe because it's harder to understand. So, um, it's a big challenge for sure, but it feels kind of fun. Cause it's like, there's no perfect solution, but there are definitely better and worse solutions. And it feels like there's a, there is a solution that we can find and that we can evolve over time. That's like good enough basically. Um, so it, I, I personally find it kind of fun every month when I have to run the script and every time we're talking to creators and we're thinking about like, what's the most fair way to like do this, you know? Cause like genuinely we're not creating this company to like screw over writers or like you know what i mean like it doesn't it doesn't make any sense like writers can just go on their own if they want to you know like we we have to prove to like you know someone someone like you who like you you may consider like doing some sort of licensing deal with us or whatever but like you'd only consider if we had your trust and like we've got to earn that you know and like if we lose that then that's like the entire business and like the whole point is like we're just fans of like working together collectively and we think that for us, it fits our preference and what it's what helps us personally create our best work. And I think there's also a lot of people who like, you know, maybe their financial situation or whatever, it's hard to like leave your job or like dealing with healthcare, or whatever. There's lots of voices that I think can be kind of like supported by system, a system that's like somewhere in between the like go it entirely on your own system and the like traditional model of a, of a media company. I think the answer to this is no, but is there a point by which the economics don't work? 
traditionally with bundles, if you continue to add more writers, the same $200 just gets diluted across more people. But it sounds as if that's not the case because of how you compensate based on the survey. Is that a fair guess? Yes, that, that's a good guess. And, um, and I think crucially for us, the way that this continues to go, um, to, like we hope will continue to expand is because we can expand into a bunch of different niches, like the horizon of niches, hopefully that we can expand into are, is gets larger and larger and larger. And because people are primarily subscribing for one or a couple of um, people in the bundle, we can hopefully expand the bundle in like each time we add a new writer into new markets with new readers that want to pay for that writer or that small set of writers. Um, and, and then divide the revenue, uh, like accordingly among them. So it, so it's not a situation where there's like, uh, a finite revenue pie or something like that. And each new writer we add, um, uh, like you have to keep dividing the pie more or you have to raise prices. Um, hopefully when we add a new writer, we're doing that because that writer is going to expand the audience enough to pay, to pay for them. So how does a writer leave? Right. So like I'm on my own. So I own my email list, I own my own Stripe account, I own my content, but with everything, you know, I'm part of your bundle, the money goes through you. So if I decided, if let's say I wasn't everything uh, uh, newsletter writer and I decided I wanted to leave and take with me my stuff, how did I do that? This is a thing that we're, we're figuring out. Um, and, and we need a good exit plan for, for people because no writer is going to work with us if, uh, uh, if we haven't figured that out. Right now, what we're saying is basically when you come and write for us, um, you can leave with your list. Um, so we'll give you a copy of your list uh, and, and, and we'll do that. And that seems to be like a pretty good, um, uh, like a, a pretty good deal for people because it's, 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 you know, more or less risk-free. Um, there are questions about like, uh, who gets the who gets the writing and the details of that is you know we're a we're still figuring out and b kind of depends on the situation so um, if you came in and had a bunch of writing already or uh, uh, you know obviously you're going to keep that but if if we pay you to create writing in addition to some sort of revenue share then there's some kind of like uh, there's something to figure out there you know maybe in some cases we own the writing or maybe in some cases. Um, the author owns the writing and they license it to us and we can keep it since we paid for it. Um, but they can go, they can go publish it somewhere else behind their own paywall. There's a couple of different like things that we're, we're trying to figure out for like how to, how to end things appropriately. But the, the general rule is, um, we want writers, um, to, you know, feel okay about being able to leave. Like we're not trying to lock people in. We want, we want people to be part of the bundle because it provides a lot of value for them. Not because like they're, they've been like sucked into this ecosystem that they can't get out of. I did recall, or I do recall seeing that there was a job posting a couple months ago for freelance writers. I think Paul submitted that on LinkedIn. Um, how are you thinking about, you know, these these writers? Will they will they supplement the various newsletters in the network? Will they create new newsletters? You know, how are you thinking about those various newsletters? Those new those various writers. Yeah, totally. This is like a very active conversation, right? Because there's like the traditional model of media where like there's a very small number of publications and everyone is like a freelancer or a full-time employee writing under someone else's banner. And then there's like the new model of media where everyone has their own umbrella and like every person is entirely their own thing. And like the, the truth is like 
there's people like different people want to do different things, you know, like what if I like want to research a story for like three months? Like, can you really do that if you have your own subscription, like newsletter audience? Like, no, you have to create stuff. You have to create value, like at least on a weekly basis, probably. Right. Um, and so, but there are people out there that don't really want to do that. There's like different kinds of writing that we could help enable and publish in the bundle. And, you know, the way that we compensate that, like whatever makes sense for the person, given the like value they're bringing to the table, the risk that they're taking off the table, et cetera. Like I'm confident that we'll be able to figure out like different things, but basically, yeah, it's some mix of like, you know, paying freelancers or hiring full-time people, having people be more like owners with like the revenue share where they're really like responsible for the publication. There's like a mix of all these things. And like, actually one of the biggest value propositions that I think we can provide is like, say you want to make a media operator into something that's bigger than you so that you're not writing it at like two times a week on your own every single time. Like you want to bring in other contributors, you want to systematize it. Like if we can develop a playbook to do that, I think that that could be really helpful because there's a lot of common lessons in infrastructure that we could provide, but then also like the risk kind of like capital to do it. Cause like hiring someone usually you like take a hit and then it, it, they end up paying for themselves eventually. But there's like a curve there that can be difficult for an individual um, writer to take on. And so maybe these are things that the bundle uh, could help with too, both in terms of like essentially like money and expertise and like access to talent and all the other stuff. Um, maybe it's easier for people to like, there's there's like some shared resources that can like float between publications or whatever, like a graphics editor or what. Like there's all this kind of stuff is like the things we want to provide that makes it a better experience for the reader, but it's really difficult to do if you're if you're totally on your own. Yeah. And, and to flesh that out a little bit more, I think like the, the way that looks for us today is for super organizers and divinations, these are publications that are up and running that have been like started by Nathan and I, and we're like used to doing all the writing, but it's getting to a point where it's very hard to um, basically like write really great stuff like twice a week um, and also run this company, this bundle. Um, so that's a place where we're experimenting with bringing in more people that um, maybe aren't maybe don't own super organizers or own divinations because I, I think you know it's better it's 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 great for us to like retain some editorial input because we kind of know the audience and, and all that kind of stuff but can start to take some of the weight off of us and we can start to build it into like a little bit like a mini publication uh, with more than one writer so I'm doing that for example where my super organizers interviews um, I'm working with different freelance writers and freelance editors to put them together so that I don't have to write every single word I still write a lot. And I, uh, uh, I do all the actual interviewing, but I'm spending less time like t turning a transcript into a really great interview. Um, so that's, that's one split. And then the other split is like for publications that are not ours, what we're focused on is less um, like freelance people and more people that we think could come in and like own a newsletter and be like the, be the Jacob uh, or be the Nathan uh, of their, of their own newsletter. Um, because that's, that's the way we think it's, uh, it's most likely to succeed, right? Like if we just wanted to start a newsletter, uh, Nathan and I kind of have the vision for it. And then we just hire a bunch of freelancers to do it. It's very unlikely to be very good, especially because Nathan and I don't have the like time to put in to just start 10 newsletters at a time. What we can do is find 10 people who each have their own, um, vision, um, and set of skills, um, and then arm them with resources um, and expertise and an audience to uh, start to build the build that newsletter on their own in a way that's like much quicker than they than they would if they were not working with us. So what you're describing is, uh, and I guess to answer the question from one of your podcasts, I guess it was a week ago, are you a media company or a technology company? You're describing a media company. Everything is a media company. 
Yeah, we're 100% a media company. And we're like, we've got a little bit of a different model maybe than like a traditional like magazine or like a book publisher or whatever. It's like this interesting new hybrid thing that feels kind of like native to the world we're coming up in, which feels like, you know, maybe is the future, like these, like this newsletter thing or whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, like definitely we're a media company. I think that it really helps to like have some technical DNA so that, you know, for instance, when Dan is like writing an article about productivity and he thinks of an idea for a, an app, we could like build that app or hire someone to build that app and like kind of competently manage it or whatever. Um, and then offer it as like a part of the bundle that makes super organizers and like more broadly the everything bundle, like more valuable. That's amazing. But like, yeah, we're, we're a media company for sure. All right. So let's pivot to one of the biggest things that a media company does, which is audience development. How does everything think about audience development? Is it mostly done by the individual or does everything have its own strategy for bringing users into the bundle? Um, and then, you know, to add more to that, have you all experimented with paid user acquisition? Uh, and then if so, how would that work from a revenue split perspective? Yeah. So, so I think for, for us, um, I mean, right now, obviously, uh, we, we have a core audience, right? We have, uh, about 20, 22,000 people on our list. So we've done a bunch of audience development. Um, and, and that, that like core audience is going to continue to grow. Um, and then as we bring new writers into the bundle, um, they're going to bring their own audience, right? Like those, those, those writers are going to have to do some work to like to develop a relationship with our audience and bring new people in. Uh, that's how they get paid. That's how you, that's 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 how it's gonna that's how it's gonna grow for both of us. Um, but because we have this base, um, what we like what we can do is is uh, is transfer some of our distribution, some of our existing audience to that new person, and kind of uh, help them to accelerate their progress. Um, and you know, kind of essentially create a network inside of uh, all of all of the different newsletters that we run. Where if someone's writing about uh, productivity, like maybe super organizers links to them, uh, and we can provide traffic to to a new productivity focused newsletter uh, and and uh, and create distribution create distri distribution that way. Um, in terms of paid acquisition, we haven't like really we've done like maybe a little bit of tests. I think our focus is really um, writing really great stuff because that brings in uh, audience uh, and finding uh, and the way we do that is like find writers um, and and we think that finding more writers will um, will produce more great great writing which will produce more audience um, and there's and it's really as simple as that it's simple but it's actually pretty hard um, I think that you know maybe at some point we'll get to, we'll reach a point where you know we're doing more advanced like paid ads and you know we can you know, we can take writer A and figure out what Facebook ads work for them and, and, and help them build an audience that way. But that's really not our focus right now. Our focus is on finding more writers, um, writing great stuff and bringing in more audience that way. Yeah. I think the key just to add on to that is going to be to, to a lesser extent, our ability, like as everything to like drive people through some like everything level means and more to be really good at cross pollinating. So there's two components of that. One is, um, selecting who's a part of the bundle because if we're full of a bunch of kind of mediocre stuff, then the trust kind of gets lost. And there's, or if we're full of a bunch of stuff that's maybe good, but there's like zero audience overlap, then like there's not very much opportunity for us to be good at cross pollination. But then also for us to figure out the right placement, the right like how do we interlink between articles in a good way? Like how do we create good sort of like bundle level products? Like the Sunday Digest is something that Dan like 
did a really big, we, we've like continually been running experiments on it. And then Dan did a take on it this last week that worked just like incredibly well where the, the percent, like we, we had put a survey at the bottom of every, um, of every article we do. And, and the percent of people that said our bundle digest was amazing was, uh, typically like 15%, <laughs> pretty low, um, compared to most of our articles are usually in like the 50 or 60% range. Um, but, but, but the experiment that Dan ran this past weekend of like just changing up the format basically and putting in a lot more different kinds of stuff, um, increase that to like 50%. So like, great, that increases our ability to like direct attention basically because we're creating a better editorial product that can like drive people from like liking publication A to also liking publication B and C. We're both built on Substack. Uh, it is exceptional for launching newsletters very quickly, but you've both mentioned a couple times the fact that you are limited a little bit by what you can do. Have you guys thought about what a an owned CMS or an owned everything would look like for you guys where, you know, you had much more control? The question, the question of the hour, I feel like I knew you were going to ask that question. Uh, I think our, our answer right now is, is um, we, we love Substack and, and there are the people that have, um, uh, that have enabled us to build this as a business. Like we wouldn't have, I wouldn't have started a Substack or started a paid newsletter if they didn't exist. So I think we're we're pretty grateful to them, and and Nathan obviously wrote some of the early code for that. So uh, grateful to Nathan for that too. Um, you know, I think that Substack as a platform right now isn't like fully built for what we're doing. Um, they're really built for journalists that want to write uh, a newsletter on their own. Um, they have built some features for us um, that uh, that like the like the bundle feature that that we're currently using that that kind of work, but. We definitely need more functionality from them to, to make it like an amazing experience. Um, so, you know, I, I think I think for now we're, we're super happy with them. We are running up against the, the limits of what they do. And we're, you know, we'll see kind of like how it evolves. Right. Like I think if Substack uh, Substack's um, uh, platform evolves, like we will want to stick around and evolves in our direction. We'll want to stick around. And if not, we may have to look, look at other look in other directions. Um, but that's kind of where we are for now. Yeah, and like it's understandable because this is this stuff is like so new. Like it's not like there's a huge market for like newsletter bundles, you know. <laughs> like, uh, I think I think there's a much bigger thing that Substack. It's good that they're focused on of like the individual writer. That's like the vision from Substack from the start. And then also from the start, there was the idea that individual writers could get together and kind of like confederate in some sort of way and like that's awesome. And that's like kind of what we're doing. And it's cool. It's cool that it's a part of it, but like, we're definitely, we're bumping into complexities, right? Where it's like, Oh, it'd be nice. You know, if we had X, Y, Z or whatever, cause it's just like, you know, it takes, it takes work and time and learning to like optimize systems, you know? So like, um, I think we're running a, running a slightly suboptimal system, but like, you know, it's, we, Substack is such a, I feel like it's almost like underselling it to say like Substack caused our company to exist. Like it's like literally like, would any of us really be talking about paid newsletters if it weren't for Substack? Like maybe, maybe some other company would have come along and made it a thing. But I really feel like Substack should get credit for a lot of what we're seeing right now in terms of like the resurgence of interest in, in this kind of like business model. Um, because Ben Thompson had been doing it for a long time. Memberful had existed for a long time. There's, you know, a new set of people that are, that are doing it because I think Substack came around and like, of course I'm biased and I'm like, whatever, I've got to like disclose that. Like I used to work there. I'm like a shareholder or whatever, but like, 
I, I think they deserve a lot, a lot of credit. And um, I think that the product is, is awesome, especially if you're using it for like the thing that it's really meant to do, which is like drive this kind of solo newsletter um, like approach. I mean, I tell people that, I mean, I wrote this in my one year birthday email that I sent out that I made the decision to launch a newsletter, wrote the first piece and launched all in the same day. I would never like I would never have been able to do that before Substack. So uh, the speed in which you can you can do something is really quite nice, and and the fact that it is just out of the box uh, is it is quite nice. Uh, I am curious to see how you know companies like yours uh, and some of these other you know multi writer publications how they evolve over time. Um, so that'll be very interesting. Yeah. Um, so I want to move to my absolute favorite topic, uh, Nathan, you and I have gone back and forth on this many times, uh, advertising versus subscriptions. That's, that's advertising. <laughs> did I guess uh, it? Good. You, you did. You did. Uh, so you ran an ad for tech meme ride home podcast, which we'll, we'll call that free promotion for them right now. Why did you do that? How did that come together? How did you price it? And how did your readers take it? Yeah, totally. Oh man, this was such a fun thing because um, I, you know, we've been sitting around with kind of this thought in our head that like maybe we do some ads. Like it's not like we're never doing any ads or whatever. Like the purpose of our company is not anti ads in any way. It's just that the heart of it is it's a subscription business. And like that's kind of what we wanted to focus on and prioritize, obviously. But like, you know, some point we might do it or whatever. And I always kind of assumed it might be like a long way off. Um, and there were some people that had reached out to us previously to run ads and it just didn't feel right. Like I think, um, I think we maybe, I don't know, for whatever reason, it just didn't, didn't seem like the right thing. And then, but when Brian McCullough of the tech meme ride home podcast, like reached out to me, <laughs> it was very hard to say no to. Cause like, I'm just a fan, you know? And like, I listen to his podcast every day and I've been listening to his work from before that of the internet uh, history podcast, which is also really good. And, um, it's just very easy for me to recommend, um, his podcast. So that I think was a huge, a huge factor. And then, um, also I think we're a little bit further along and it feels kind of like interesting, maybe more now to experiment with that than it did when like we had just launched the bundle or something like that, you know? Um, and so, um, and so like, you know, I ran it by Dan and, and he was like, yeah, you know, like, let's, let's give it a shot. Um, and so this is funny cause actually like it was all sort of happening as Dan was going on vacation and I asked Dan, I was like, um, so like you're going off the grid, like, should I ping you if there's like an update here and you want like me to, cause Dan's the CEO and I'm like the, the president or whatever, like the second, the second in charge or something like that. And so, um, I was like, do you want me to like update you like, and, and like see like whatever your approval is. He's like, no, just like whatever, like make it work. <laughs> like you can just go ahead. And so, um, and so basically when Dan was off the grid, Brian and I negotiated, uh, the deal and like the CPM and all that kind of stuff. And basically like, I just proposed like a thousand dollars per newsletter, which works out to about a $62 CPM. And my reasoning was, although it's kind of an expensive CPM, we've never run an ad before. I'm actually putting in a work to make it a pretty good ad product, I think, and like going going pretty above and beyond on on that front. Like we put in a whole, there's like a short blurb at the top and then like kind of a long segment at the bottom about it. Um, and uh, like I felt like 
it's a small enough audience that even though the CPM itself is kind of high, it's like a really high quality kind of like nascent audience. And like, you know, maybe you wouldn't be willing to pay that CPM if we had like a hundred X the scale we have, but given our scale, given the quality of the audience, like, I think it was probably worth a little bit more. And it was just like came out to a roughly round number of like a thousand dollars per, per, uh, send basically. And so that's what the deal is. We talked about it on our podcast. We recorded a podcast with him. We have, we have a podcast called talk therapy where Dan and I just like talk about what's going on uh, with the business. And, um, so we had Brian on as a guest and it was a lot of fun to, to talk about his sort of like end of the ad deal or whatever. Um, and like the feedback was pretty good. It's not like a lot of people emailed in saying like cheering us on for ads. Like I think Jacob, you're the only one. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we had a lot of, we had a lot of good, um, response from it. And, um, there was like one negative response, but it was just kind of like, Hey, like it was very like polite. It was just like, Hey, like I'm paying, like, just so you know, since this is your first ad ever, it's like kind of lame to be a paying subscriber and to have an ad, but like whatever. So anyway, I, I think it went really well. I don't think we're going to go out looking for tons of other advertisers, but we may do it again opportunistically for products we really love. Um, it's one of those things where at a certain point we'll probably have to like have more of a like strict kind of like strategy around it. But um, I think that it's a pretty natural fit, you know, like advertising with this kind of model because advertising has works best when there's like a stable recurring audience. Like it's hard to put ads in books or movies because ahead of time, you don't really know what the audience will be so much. And so like, it, it's a little, it's a little tricky to like value it, I guess. Um, if you're like integrating the ad with the content or whatever, um, as like a publisher versus some sort of like platform or whatever. Um, but you know, we have like a relatively stable audience that we can like sell against. Um, so, so it feels like a pretty good fit. We just want to make sure that really it's very clear that the priority is subscriptions and like, we may do it as a side project opportunistically, especially cause we're like, you know, um, not like, raking in tons of dough yet it's like very useful actually to have like a couple extra thousand bucks for us to run the company you know um so anyway this is uh it was a fun fun experiment welcome to the world of advertising now you are officially a diversified media company yeah new events to be truly diversified well we'll do that in 2021 or 2022 <laughs> <laughs> um so looking forward what does what does the future look like for everything over the next three years? Dan, tell us about the future of everything. I was about to make the joke. <laughs> well, I mean, I think for us, like uh, it, it's gonna it's gonna look a lot like what we're doing, but um, but but more. Um, where I, I think we have the opportunity to uh, both find uh, hopefully really really high quality. Um, business writers and add them into the bundle uh, across a variety of, of topics. Um, so that can be anything from the broad categories that we're in right now, like productivity and strategy, to um, industry verticals like um, uh, you know waste management uh, or space, um, to um, to job roles like marketing or uh, product management, even to like newsletters that cover like specific companies would be interesting. So like Stripe or uh, Apple, um, we think there's we think there's a market for that. So anyway, we feel like there's a there's kind of an endless number of niches that we can cover here. Um, so I think the future is us both finding writers that are in those spaces and adding them into the bundle, and then also developing those uh, those writers in those newsletters uh, internally and, and bringing them to the world. Um, either by um, you know finding someone who knows something about the space and has some writing skills and and giving them a deal that lets them go out and kind of like own that, uh, own that niche and own that newsletter and have a rev share on it. Or, you know, another thing that we, what we really want to do and want to try uh, that we're kind of doing already is we think that there are a lot of people 
uh, out in the world who have like, they have this like twinkle in their eye for their industry, no matter what it is. Like waste management is the thing that we always bring up, which is like, it sounds like the worst, most boring thing in the world. But like, I think that there's someone in the world that has a twinkle in their eye about waste management. Um, and it's like the kind of person that you sit down at dinner and you're like, oh, this guy does like trash or this person does trash. And they're just so compelling. We want to find people like that. Um, and, uh, and even if they don't write, pair them with writers um, and, and use that as a way to, to bring, uh, bring their ideas into the world and, and, and make their voices heard to people that, that need to hear them or want to hear them in their industry. Um, because we think it's a shame that there are so many unwritten voices out there. And TBD, whether or not, whether or not that works, uh, I think, you know, we're, we're learning, we're learning this as we go, but we do think that there's a lot of like, there's a lot of the best business knowledge is locked up inside of people's heads. And, and we think this is, this might be a really good way for us to, um, uh, uh, to, to unlock it. Um, and, uh, that's not to say that we're going to do like a trash vertical tomorrow. I think f- for now, what we want to do is expand organically within our niche. So our very small niche is like productivity and strategy and kind of like maybe investing is another one that we're, that we're kind of like creeping into. Some um, may call, uh, you know, strategy, a trash vertical. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, um, uh, yeah, and what we want to do is kind of like build by adjacency. So, so ideally, like in the next newsletters that we have in the bundle, they still kind of like make sense with with um, with productivity and strategy. They still kind of like are adjacent to the audiences that we're uh, kind of already serving, um, but they're slightly different. Um, yeah, there's like overlap. Exactly, exactly. So, because we want to, what we want to pay attention to, especially in the early days, it's, it's much more important in the early days than it is, I think, later. Is um, when you add it something new to the to the bundle, you want you want uh, like some sort of new audience, but you don't want to break the overall value proposition of the bundle. So you want be able to be able to you want people to be able to like look at the bundle and be like, I get this sort of thing if I go there. Um, so that's kind of those are the things that we're balancing. Um, but we think that over time we can kind of build by adjacency until we're we're so far out that it's like something that you wouldn't think that we could cover uh, today. Um, and yeah, that's that's the idea. Another another way just to tack onto that that I think everything will look different in the future, hopefully, is it feels just much higher quality. I think our stuff is pretty high quality now, but it feels like we're at the very beginning of like what we can do or even like what's possible with business writing generally. And I mean that like in a lot of different ways, like better reported, like but also just more beautiful, hopefully. Like we have a meeting every Friday that is probably unusual and I think we're going to want to keep doing it called Great Writing where we just, I didn't like everyone can bring, it's kind of a show and tell, like you just bring like something that you thought was a really nice piece of writing and like, you know, today I brought like Of Mice and Men by John Steinbeck and talked about why I thought the first like couple paragraphs worked and like showed an example of like how I tried to use that in the past, like a similar technique in the past um, couple articles that, that I wrote and like, you know, Dan will bring like an Annie Dillard novel or like today he showed a, um, passage from like, uh, article in 2000, I think 11 from some guy like in the writing in the New York times or whatever. And it's like, there's just like all this random stuff. And like, I think that like really like our highest goal is to reach to something that like could possibly last, you know, and like have real, um, like intellectual and aesthetic value. Um, and I don't, I don't know like to what degree we're achieving that yet, but like, I feel like we should, since we're trying really hard, <laughs> hopefully we like mean well and we're, we're smart or whatever. And like, we can hopefully attract other people that we can learn a lot from and can show us how to, how to do even better that like, 
the product will feel really different maybe in like nine months from now than it does now. Also, we're like working on some branding stuff that I think will elevate everything. It's really important to us that it feels like really carefully um, like considered and, and crafted in that it really respects that people have a lot of choice now more than ever in what they pay attention to. And like there should be more beautiful things in people's lives and the, those things should feel like you know, they treat them as like the intelligent humans they are. And there's just a lot of like, just kind of okay stuff on the internet. And like, what's the point of like, if that's all you're trying to do, you know? Obviously, you both were pretty new to media. What are some mistakes that you've made, uh, either as individuals in this journey or as an organization uh, that, you know, that that you've learned from and, and, and how did you learn from those? Uh, a lot. Uh, I will also, I will also say, um, Nathan has been, Nathan's been in media for a long time. So I'm, I'm more of the, like, uh, I'm more of the, the media, the media noob of the, of the duo. And um, by a long time, Dan means like since 2013 or something or 14. <laughs> like yeah. if you count what I was doing at general assembly, which is not exactly media, although my part of it was closer to media, maybe more like 2015, but yeah, not like that long, but like, yeah, anyway. Yeah. He, he's got some, he's got some experience, certainly more than I do. Um, I think that I, like I in particular, I guess both of us were learning a lot about how idiosyncratic it is, what, what we do. Um, so for example, like I do these super organizers interviews and I just like made it up. Like I never like read an article about how to do an interview or how to format it or whatever. I just like recorded an interview and then just like figured out how to like write the intro and then wrote the like wrote the bottom of it and whatever and I just thought it was like I thought it was pretty good and, it's, and people seem to like it um, but I really thought that like if you get like a professional writer in there like a they're just gonna be able to bang that out like incredibly quickly and b um, they'll probably know how to do it in a way that I don't even know how to do that's like way better than I could have ever thought of and it turns out that there's like um, when you use the word writer or editor um, that means like an incredible number of different things to different people in different situations. It's like using the word programmer. It's like, well, what kind of programming do you do? Like, what do you specialize in? Do you do backend or front end? Do you like do Python? Do you do like whatever? There's, um, it, it, there's, there's as many types of diff- being a writer as there are being any, anything else in the world. And I didn't really realize that. I just thought anyone could do this. Um, cause I've never, um, I've never done it in a professional context before. And it turns out if you get a writer that's used to writing interviews in a certain way or not used to writing interviews at all and mostly does um, like uh, nonfiction work or maybe mostly writes fiction, like uh, none of those people can just like see what you're doing and then just do it perfectly the first time. Um, And they may not ever be able to do it perfectly because they may be just better at doing something else. Um, And so I think one thing that, that I'm learning or, or we're learning over time is that you can't just get any writer or any editor to like go in and do the thing. Like you need to, um, there are certain types of people that do that do the things that we do well. And it's really important to go and find those people. Or uh, if, if you're using someone that, that doesn't know how to do it well yet, you need to be prepared for the fact that they're going to take some time to um, to learn how to do it. Like just because someone says that they're a writer and they've been doing freelancing, freelance writing for a long time doesn't mean that they can do this specific thing. Um, and, and that turned out to be like um, pretty, pretty surprising to me, actually. And then my last question to end on a, uh, a note of, of excitement. There are going to be, I believe, over the next few years, many new people who come into media. I think it's going to be centered around a lot of these niche topics. 
And so we're going to have a lot of new media operators. What is some advice you'd give other new media operators about launching a brand new media company? Hmm. It's hard to give blanket advice. So I can like, I don't know. Dan, does anything clear come to mind for you? Because like I can say some things. <laughs> yeah. But like I, I am so hesitant about blanket advice because it's very, it's very circumstance dependent. Yeah, uh, I have the same hesitation. I, like, I guess the, the thing that comes to mind for me is is pretty much the advice that Nathan and I always give people when they ask, like, how do I start a newsletter or whatever? It's like, um, um, I think that you can, if you're going to go start a new media company, you can go and just like make a, make a bunch of plans and like uh, raise a bunch of money and uh, uh, kind of like do everything in a, in a vacuum. Um, but uh, the best way to do this stuff, at least in our experience, has been just doing it in an organic way. Like if you have someone, uh, if you're talented enough to go and, and write, like you should just like start by writing first um, and building your building your audience yourself and um, uh, and and taking it from the ground up that way instead of like, you know, starting like a large organization first, which I think I guess some people do. Um, but yeah, it's really just about the like grind of um of sitting down in front of a computer and writing every day until people start to pay attention to you. And it's not about, even if you're not going to go like, you know, build a big organization from the beginning, it's not about like planning, Oh, this is my exact niche. Um, this is the exact thing that I'm going to like write about. Um, our, I guess our experience has been, uh, you just start writing and the niche or the thing that you're going to cover kind of like comes to you, um, comes to you over time. Uh, and gets more well-defined over time, and and the planning is kind of usually wasted. Um, that's only relevant advice for a certain type of media starting person, but uh, that's that's the best I can do. I like that. I think another good one is like um, this. Like media, I think is pretty inherently like personal. Like uh, people who create great stuff take a lot of pride in what they do, and they're very particular about it, and they're very like finicky about it. Right? Like the best stuff comes from people who care deeply and caring deeply is can be challenging when when people are like working together <laughs> on things you know and it's like i think that um there's a lot more of that in my experience in media than there is in tech because in tech like you know you're an engineer you're a product manager you're a designer you definitely care a lot about what you do you have strong feelings it can be difficult sometimes to like come to come to agreement and come to alignment with other people who also have strong feelings um but I think in media, it's so much more, it's like, whose byline is this? Like, who is this thing by? Who? It's like a reflection of that person, you know? It's like a little bit more close. And so to the extent you're rubbing up against difficulties there with like whoever you're working with, um, I think I think seeing a coach or a couples therapist or whatever is like such a valuable thing. And, um, and it makes you a better person individually. It makes you a better person in like other aspects of your life besides work and like, you know, I think, I think Dan and I have like come a long way as like for a long time friends and then business partners and then like just figuring out like how to do this thing together and like still enjoy spending time together has been like fascinating. Um, and you know, that may not apply to all, to all partnerships or whatever, but I think if you're wondering about it or curious about it, it's probably a good idea to, to do it. Uh, especially in media, I think where people, it's so personal, like what you're creating, it's such a reflection of you, you know? If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe and give it a five-star rating with your thoughts. If you want even more, 
sign up for the newsletter at amediaoperator.com. Each Tuesday, I analyze the latest media news. And on Fridays, I do deep dives into specific strategic and tactical topics about building media businesses. Thanks for listening and see you next week.